Hi, and welcome to the PhD Talk podcast. I am Eva, a civil engineering professor and blogger on the side. And I'm Rico, a PhD student in civil engineering. Join us on this podcast in which we discuss all topics related to PhD life, research mechanics, and lived experiences. There will be interviews and discussions with guest researchers and PhD students. We hope you stick around with us on the PhD Talk podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the PhD Talk podcast. This is episode 22 and we are going to talk about virtual conferences. So we are more than a year into the COVID-19 global pandemic and we've all had some experience with virtual conferences and our expectation is that virtual conferences will be here to stay at least until vaccination strategies are further developed and that some conferences in the longer future will keep offering hybrid forms. So we wanted to touch upon the topic. Um, so let's start with my question for you, Rico, which virtual conferences have you been attending and uh, how did you experience them? Well, there's uh, there's been two big ones. Um, and I believe we, we both attended these, but it was uh, both of the ACI conventions, the fall and the spring. Mm -hmm the ACI American Concrete Institute. So I attended both of those. And additionally, there's some smaller, not so much conferences, but seminar talks that are offered through the university. And uh, that sort of falls into the same category because you're sitting there listening to a presentation. So I kind of, uh, a lot of these tips will apply for that sort of okay. thing as well. And uh, how about you, Ava? Besides those two ACI conferences, what have you been attending? Yeah, besides the ACI uh, conventions, I attended the TRB annual meeting. So TRB is a transportation research board, which usually takes place over one week in January. And now it was actually uh, spread out over pretty much all of the month of January. And mm. the right this week that we are recording this, I am attending and hosting a session on IAPMAS 2020, which is now taking place in 2021. And that <laughs> is of the International Association for Bridge Management and Safety. And next week, I'll be speaking at and attending the um, e-learning success summit. E-learning success summit. That sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. So since we've made the switch uh, to the virtual space for these conferences, uh, we have a few more options in terms of the formatting for the conferences. There's synchronous and asynchronous. And of course, there's some variation uh, in between there. What have been your experiences with these formats and which one do you prefer? What are the, uh, the advantages and the disadvantages that you've seen? So I've experienced all of these formats. The, <laughs> I would say that the ACI convention that both of us attended is pretty much synchronous on yeah. a time schedule that mimics as much as possible what we would be doing in person with some changes of very early meetings to account for some time zone differences. Then the one that I mentioned earlier of the transportation research board that got smoothed out over the entire month of January mm. to allow less meetings per day and spread everything out more. And then mm -hmm. the IAPMAS that I'm attending this week is fully asynchronous because it was going to be uh, hosted in, in Japan and the time zone just mm -hmm. makes it very difficult for people from different time zones to attend. Um, mm -hmm. So in terms of how I've experienced these, we'll, we will get to topics on how to get the most out of these uh, in just a moment. But when you're not traveling and there's not that physical barrier 
of removing yourself from teaching and meetings, etc., then it's hard to fit it in the schedule. Yeah. So I did find that the spreading out the uh, what TRB did, spreading it out over an entire month, for me made mm. it much more manageable, as in I could attend a committee meeting of four hours one day, then a session of two hours the other day. And it wasn't like everything else kept going. Yeah. Uh, so that made it for me time-wise more manageable. How's your experience with that? Yeah, we'll get into the, the the challenges, as you said, about having a synchronous virtual conference. But I've been appreciating that even with the synchronous, the ACI conference that I attended, a lot of the sessions were also available asynchronously. So they offered the recordings after the fact. And I've been enjoying that because that's that's something that if I'm working, I can sort of, I don't want to say have it on in the background, but if it's a presentation that I'm very interested in, then of course, I'll put it on and watch it. If not, I'll sort of leave it on like the <laughs> like the the radio essentially and have it on in the background while I'm doing other work. And if something interesting comes up, I can switch to that screen. So I've been appreciating that. So that's a good segue into sort of our tips for attending these virtual conferences. And so, as you said, Ava, it's tough to to schedule them, right? Because we're at home, we're working and, you know, we're sitting at the same seat we sit at every day. So have you noticed uh, any difficulties and uh, what uh, what's your advice? How have you been handling these conferences? Yeah, I think the one that I already mentioned is with regard mm. to making the time for attending the conference. And one major tip there, both for you attendee of a conference as well as mm. conference organizers, would be to have a very clear schedule so that you in advance can book those time slots in your calendar and have that time set aside to either watch pre-recorded presentations or have the time to post comments on a presentation etc because if you're trying to just add it on top of all the rest it's hard that's my main struggle with it and and it also is a function of the of the format of the conference itself because with TRB we know really in advance that they were going to do it like this and then they had communicated very well which days the committee meetings would be and which days the sessions would be and that really helped me just free up that time and make sure I could attend. Whereas other conferences may have waited a longer time as well because of these large uncertainties and how they would do things. And the closer you get to the date, at least for me, the, the fuller my agenda and the harder it becomes to, to free up that time there. So yeah, that, that's one of my main takeaways there. How have you been looking at this? Well, I, I agree with what you said. Um, I think for me, what I've noticed is that when you travel for a conference, right, like you don't get to do the, your other tasks, right? You're, you're there and you're at the conference. That's your schedule's blocked out. But when there's conferences or when there's sessions throughout the day and you're seated at home, I don't make it a priority. The conference becomes an afterthought. Whereas what you said about spreading it out, you know, it's easier to, to schedule a one hour session and say, okay, I won't schedule any other meetings during that time. So I really like how, how uh, as you said, TRB handled that. Of course, I didn't attend that conference, but comparing that to my experience with ACI. And so I think what I've noticed is that in order to make the most of this conference, you really have to make it a priority. And so for me, that means being proactive about scheduling my other tasks. You know, if somebody asks you, hey, are you available on Tuesday? Normally I would say, yeah, I'm available sometime in the morning. I would have to be proactive with these conferences and say, no, there's a session at 9 a.m. And so I can't schedule anything around that. And that means something that you suggested, Eva, was, you know, really taking a look at the program and understanding which sessions do I want to be at. And for myself as well, if you have four or five sessions throughout the day, 
I've taken to um, setting myself like phone reminders for these sessions. So, you know, if there's something at 10 o'clock, I'll have my alarm at 9.55 so I could switch over because or else I'll get caught up in something and completely forget about it. And also, I'll, I'll just mention something, um, something that I, I didn't do this and I thought about it only after the fact, but I think potentially setting up, if possible, setting yourself up in a different area of your home or your condo, your apartment uh, in order to prepare for these conferences, I think is probably a good idea. So if for those of us with laptops, take your laptop and go sit at the dining room table, for example, or at the kitchen table, I think that's probably a good idea in order to get yourself into a different zone and, you know, make it less likely that you'll get distracted by other types of work. Uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting t- change of pace. You know, that's one of the benefits of these conferences. And so take advantage of that, set yourself up somewhere else. Or if you have a standing desk, like put it into the configuration that you don't normally have it in, whatever. Yeah, actually, as a side thought to that, I have been attending some sessions while connecting from my phone, um, where I'm just mostly want to listen and at the same time go for a walk so I can just concentrate on the audio. So that's for, for scheduling and actually getting yourself to the conference. How about your engagement? How, do you, how are you finding the experience of engaging virtually? Yeah, engaging virtually is a big topic. And yeah. uh, for the listeners, we were chatting a bit before as well on how to teach online because that's, that's another issue with how to engage with people through uh, online modes of reaching people. And I, I think there's two topics related to this. And the w- one is for the presenters, how to give an engaging presentation that actually makes that somebody who's been on Zoom for I don't know how many hours through this pandemic actually follows what you're presenting. And the second part is for you as an attendee. It's, it's super tempting to go reply emails while listening, etc. <laughs> so uh, there's a way as well to make sure you have enough space in your mind and concentration to really get out of the presentation or meeting what you need to get out of it. Well, first of all, I guess my question for you, Eva, and I'm curious to know the answer for this, is do you take notes when you're when you're listening to a presentation? Most of the time I do take notes. It also depends on what I want to get out of the presentation, of course. If it's something mm-hmm. that's really in line with my research, I will take notes. Mm-hmm. If it's something that is more for my broader understanding, I may take a few notes, but I will do something else with my hands to keep them engaged. It could be drawing <laughs> or knitting or whatnot, just to you know keep my brain on the, on the presentation. And when it's a meeting, I, I usually also take notes. And most of the time I take them with pencil and paper. I do something similar. I have actually a specific notebook that I use for all my seminars and the conferences that I attend. I have notebook and I have all my sessions in it. Uh, so far, I haven't filled up the notebook. I guess I haven't attended enough conferences yet. And I do it for all seminars, even ones that are sort of general interest, maybe outside of my field. I've been doing that because, you know, especially as a PhD student, I'm sort of new to all this. So even in a presentation that's completely outside of the scope of my research, there's tidbits and little practices and you know best practices and what programs this person uses, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I would like to keep a record of that. And I find just the act of writing it down puts it in my head better. Okay. So I have uh, my little conference notebook and uh, that I take to all the seminars and everything. And so I really have benefited from that. So I advise anybody who's listening, you know, start up one of those. Besides taking notes, I think it's also important to take action on whether you got a new idea that you want to put to practice or when when it's, for example, more a conference related to teaching techniques that you write down how you're going to try and implement that um, in your classroom. So writing down your point of action and putting it on your agenda and 
making it happen can also be a, a very good step on for engaging with the content. I think as a listener, one of the things that you can do to, to have more interaction after the presentation is to actively participate. There can be a larger barrier when you are using online tools, and it also depends on the format, because if it's an asynchronous conference, then it can be that your only option is to post a comment or to send an email to the presenter. Uh, if it's synchronous, then depending on the platform, you could use the chat or the Q&A, or you may have the option to you know, raise your hands to then speak up and ask a question. So I, I do recommend listeners to find ways to be interactive, to ask questions. It's also mm -hmm. nicer for the presenter to get a question. So if you think your question is stupid, just... Uh, Park that thought and, and go ahead and ask the question. And I think it's a little bit easier to ask a question online as opposed to when we were having in-person conferences. You know, it's, it's tough to walk up to that microphone yes. uh, versus on Zoom. You know, you could, if you're really shy, you can even leave your camera off, you know, and just ask the question that way. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, let's take advantage of that while we can and break out of our shell a little bit. Those of us that are uh, hesitant question askers. So yeah, we talked about engaging with the content, um, but how about being a more engaging online speaker? Do you have some advice on what to do and definitely what not to do for virtual conferences, Rico? Yeah, well, my advice is more general to being online and being an engaging speaker online, right? It's sort of little technical issues, but definitely have a good way to record your voice because it's it's really takes you out of the conference when the microphone is either too low or it's very crackly or et cetera, et cetera. We had some audio issues starting out the podcast. I know I did. And um, now that I have my little microphone set up, I really appreciate it. And when I hear audio issues in a, in a presenter or what have you, uh, it can be really distracting. So that's something. And the other thing is, you know, we are, we're trying to look presentable. And I guess part of that is showing our facial features. I, I'm, I'm, I like to, to smile a lot and I really like having the camera on. And so I've try to make it a point to get good lighting because just having a little bit of that face-to-face -face contact is important. So I try to make that a priority. And another related thing as a, as a general tip is for being able to draw. I know, especially, you know, in engineering, we tend to do a lot of drawings and sketching to, to talk about ideas, uh, especially in the sort of the question and answer period. For at the beginning, we, we may do with the little, the whiteboard in Zoom and trying to get the mouse to work. And I think everybody suffered with that. What I discovered is I have, you know, an old uh, tablet lying around and with uh, the help of a screen sharing app and a little stylus, it makes things so much better. So get yourself acquainted with that. I mean, now we're coming into a year into the pandemic uh, and that's been a real lifesaver. So just general tips on how to be a good presenter and a good question answer. So I haven't given too many presentations online at the conferences, none, but I had a big uh, presentation early on in last summer. It was part of my PhD requirements uh, to present my research proposal. So that's that's really the only experience I've had, but I'm sure you've had more. And what are what's your advice for uh, for presenting at these virtual conferences? Yeah, my my first advice goes in line with what you were saying regarding, you know, getting the right setup, but also understand the software. So we are all either using Zoom or GoToMeeting or uh, WebEx or Jitsi or Teams or any of the other platforms. And each <laughs> of them have these tiny differences in their features. And it's just so often that at the beginning of a presentation, the 
presenter is stumbling, uh, trying to find which button to click. So my oh, yeah. big recommendation there is most conferences give a preparation session. And even though you think I've, I've you know, been video conferencing for this entire year, I've had more Zoom than I can digest. Um, <laughs> still, it's a good practice to show up, even if you think then that you've done it before, that you're very comfortable with it. If there is the option, I really recommend people to attend such a session and just try out all the bells and whistles. And even if it's a software that you've been using before, say Zoom, then there's a difference between Zoom meeting and Zoom webinar. And there are uh, quite often updates that make things just a tiny bit different. So having that space where you can just toy around with the settings for a little bit is will make things running much more smoother during the session or whenever you're presenting. So then, um, and, mm -hmm. and it's also just nice for the session organizers to already have this first acquaintance with the speakers, getting to see virtually who is going to be in your session. It's just, uh, I think it's good practice. I think something that popped into my head while, while you were talking about that, Eva, was uh, I feel like every, like a disproportionate number of presenters, myself included, I've had problems with uh, PowerPoint, um, especially like the presentation mode. Yes. <laughs> it seems like we're all, we've all turned into, it's the first time we're seeing PowerPoint. So make sure that everything with PowerPoint works well. Yes. Especially if you're using two screens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it sets you up with that other black screen with your notes, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you want something else going on. So Swap the display settings quickly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Make sure that's working well before you start your presentation. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're recording our podcast here, and uh, we're using a software that we're able to see ourselves. Uh, this is something I'm trying to get away from, but look into the camera. Don't look onto the left side of the screen where your face is. Mm -hmm. Try and look at the, you know, present to the screen. Um, and so make good eye contact with the camera, you know, not your second screen, not your little face up in the corner, but try and look directly at in front of you. So set yourself up where that's what you're looking at while you're presenting. It really does make it more engaging when you're looking at the camera. And uh, yeah, so that's something I'm having a hard time with right now and trying to make a, a point of, of that. Uh, another tip from my side would be to, and that's for all presentations, whether they are online or uh, in person, keep to the time. Just stay uh, out of courtesy to your audience, to the other presenters, the session organizers, keep on time. And especially on a virtual conference, because sometimes the platform is such that the session is going to cut off after an hour and a half. And mm -hmm. If you are taking 10 minutes more, 15 minutes more, and you're, you, you know that the session is going to just get closed by the organizers or by the, not the session moderators, but really the, the organizers of the conference itself or by Zoom itself, then you just, you want to really be mindful of the time and even present less time. If you are, have 15 minutes, go for 12 minutes. It's, there's always things at the beginning that take more time to get you set up. So go for less time than what you get assigned. And my last tip is to make sure that people know where to find you. So if they have follow-up questions, uh, make sure that you have your email address or any other way that people can reach out to you on your last slide, um, potentially in the beginning as well, so that people know where to find you to follow up and further engage. And also, if, if you can, if you're able to do this, copy and paste that information into the, the chat. I think that's a, a courteous thing to do. And that way people can just copy paste that onto 
mm-hmm. another document or what have you before they lose it or before they try and type it down and the presentation switches. Any other thoughts that came up while while discussing things that you want to take into the future or the future of conferences at all? I think now that we've been reminiscing about conferences, I miss going to actual conferences. I mean, the virtual conferences are obviously not not the same. We're making the best of what we have, but um, I'm looking forward to some actual conferences and talking to people and, uh, you know, going to see another city potentially and that sort of thing. So looking forward to that and we'll see you when that's possible. And what's your prediction, best guess, when we will be back to in-person conferences? Um, so I, I don't know. I think probably fall. I think the ACI is talking about being back in the fall in person, uh, unless I'm mistaken with that. So I think probably the fall conferences are going to be in person, probably some combined mixed mode in person online thing. I think that's probably the best bet because, you know, depending where we are, every, you know, everybody's getting their vaccines at different times, depending on the country. And how about you, Ava? Do you have uh, some inside knowledge? When do you think? Well, I just see the other day that the airline industry is betting mm. more on 2023 for restarting travel. Um, 2023? So, mm-hmm. So for myself, I've pretty much given up hopes to make it to the Netherlands this summer because I see that the travel ban against all of South America has been extended. It's now extended until mid-May and they are talking about keeping it, extending it. So I won't even be allowed to to enter the Netherlands. Um, Shoot. Even even as a, like a European citizen, like there's no, yeah, there's no it's, exception? Or... It's just banned to travel in from South America unless there's oh. humanitarian reasons. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, there's there's stuff like in country, you know, like um, the the Canadian Society of Civil Engineering has a conference. So I think if you're restricting it to Canadians, let's say in my case, then you know maybe that's something that that we can take advantage of. Or you know, if you're in the states, there's probably local conferences. I don't know. I hope I didn't depress you too much with my very conservative estimate. <laughs> no, no, not at all, not at all. It came from Lufthansa that they are projecting that really business travel will resume only in 2023. So this has been episode 22 of the PhD Talk podcast. Today we talked about virtual conferences and we discussed the virtual conferences that we have attended, the formats that we've seen, what you can do to engage better with the content as a listener, um, how you can take action, how you can have more interaction with the speakers and how you as a speaker can be a more engaging speaker in a virtual setting. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode and we will be back next week with more on PhD Live and Research Mechanics.